Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. Yeah, I'm going I'm to finish up this series today on worship. Uh, that was the other thing I forgot. Uh, I'm finishing up the series today. Next week, uh, we have the honor and privilege of hosting a, um, a man named Terry King. Uh, some of you have met him before uh, when we ordained uh, Pastor Sam over here. Uh, he came and he had, he had spoke at that. Um, Terry King is the, well, kind of the unofficial leader of AIM. They, they, he doesn't like to be called the leader, but he's definitely, um, he's definitely got a lot of uh, influence within the uh, Alliance International Ministries, uh, which is an alliance of churches. Um, and we actually have the privilege of going to one of their conferences this weekend. Uh, with several of us, I'm able to go. But Terry King uh, has ministered all over the world. He's been really heavily involved in missions and uh, and speaking all over the all over the world. And um, a very anointed, gifted man of God. And uh, and we get the honor of of being able to hear him speak next week. So make sure you are here next week to be able to hear Terry King speak. Um, it's going to be a powerful, powerful service. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, we've been talking about worship, and I want to finish up today uh, with this message. Uh, and I've titled this message, Come and See. Come and See. Let's start by uh, looking in the book of John, chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, slip to John, chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 35. It says this. <clears throat> Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, uh, which is to say when translated, teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Uh, now it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak this and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he has brought to him and, and he brought him to Jesus. And now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Let's start, stop right there for a moment. If you have a red letter Bible in your hand, you will see that, the, that Jesus, or that the Gospel of John inaugurates the very first words of Jesus in the Gospel of John are, what do you seek and come and see? What do you seek and come and see? And it is with these two phrases that Jesus spoke at the beginning of John that I want to end our series on worship. The question, what do you seek? And the invitation to come and see. When I was, uh, when I was about 17 years old, I had, for about a year, had my eye on Amber already. And uh, we had been talking a lot in youth group. Uh, if you don't know, I'm about, uh, all right, I am a year and a month older than Amber. And so uh, I was 16 when we kind of started talking, but she was only 15. And Paul, being the good father that he was, said, there ain't going to be no dating until you're 16 years old, right? So we, uh, I don't know what the right Christian lingo is, we courted or we, yeah, that, that's true. We, we, 
we used the power of the younger sister to get away with a lot, you know. We, we didn't go anywhere on our cell, by ourselves. We, we were taking Danielle somewhere, you know. And so, what's that? And youth league, yeah. See, Cam and Holly, Cam and Holly, you know, we, we hung out at their house a lot. They thought we did that because of them. But in reality, everybody except Paul, he... Yes, he, he knew my mom and dad well, exactly. And so, uh, anyway, so... Uh, when I turned, when I was 17, she turned 16 in November, at the end of November, we were finally going to be able to go on our first official date without Danielle. <laughs> so I wanted it to be very special. And so I, uh, I, I, back in, you know, the early 2000s, it was really popular to uh, have promise rings. I'm not sure if that's very popular still to these today or not, but it was definitely popular then to have a promise ring. And so I had went to Andrew Jewelers there in Kokomo, found the one. It was $70, which for me, I was a bus boy at Harvard Hinkelmeyer's in Kokomo making $5.25 an hour. That was minimum wage at that point. Uh, and I worked like three or four hours a night for maybe like three nights a week. So you can see it was going to take me a while. <laughs> to get there, but I had worked and worked and I put it on layaway and I had worked at it. And, uh, even while at work, I, uh, I wanted to do it right. So I, uh, being the young poet that I was wrote Amber, a poem, uh, on the, on the waitress pad, you know, that you take orders with, I wrote a poem and it was called my flower in a field of weeds. I know. That's like, it's like Frost kind of stuff. What, yeah, you know, I'm the poet. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to even tell you all that, but that's what it was. And, on, and, it, and when I think about it now, I think how, how uh, complimentary that was to Amber, but how much of a jerk I was being to every other girl. You know, she was my flower. Everyone else is a weed, you know? Like, so anyways, I wrote this poem for her. I had it all planned out how I was going to do it, how I was going to give her this ring. One thing left, I had to talk to Paul still. And, uh, and being the teenage boy that I was, uh, I was scared to death of Paul. And I think Paul knew that, and I think he was honestly okay with that. <laughs> and maybe enjoyed it a little bit. So uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to make sure it was okay that I, you know, gave her this ring. And so I went and saw Paul. And uh, I remember, I don't remember the exact conversation, but it was something, do you remember this? Maybe not. So I can, I can make it up if I want. You won't know the difference. <laughs> now, it was something like this. I, 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 I said, hey, I want to uh, take Amber out on her first date, and I want to give her this promise ring. And being the good dad that he was, he said, what are your intentions with this ring? What are you promising with this ring? And I, my head, I'm thinking, I don't, I'm a 17-year-old kid. I don't know. I don't have intentions. You know, I just, I just wanted to impress my girlfriend, you know? And so I think I said something along the lines of, you know, just that I, I, I want to promise I'm going to be a good friend to her, you know, something like that. And he said, good, as long as you're not promising you're going to marry her or something someday, I'm, I'm okay with that. And so I uh, so got through that. And, uh, but being the good father he was, he wanted to know my intentions, right? Uh, so keep a hold of that. I'll finish the story just so you all know what happens. But that's the important part of the story. He wanted to know my intentions. Uh, we ended up going on that date. It was December 3rd of 2000-something. 
five maybe. And uh, we, I took her down to Indy. My plan was to take her on the canal there in Indy and, uh, and to give it to her on the canal. And it was going to be sweet. What my 17-year-old brain didn't figure out is that we are in December. We're going to be down there probably 8 o'clock-ish, 7 o'clock-ish, and it's dark. So it's cold and slightly dangerous for two teenagers to be walking on the canal, you know, by themselves at night. And so we, we get to the canal, which there's, that's a story within itself. I won't take the time to tell you. Um, but uh, we get to the canal. We realize very quickly that this is a very bad idea. So we go back into the parking garage. And there in the parking garage, I read her her poem. And I gave her the promise ring. And I won her heart for the rest of her life. So that's the story. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. If any of you all need tips on how to impress your girlfriend, I'm your guy. I'll even let you borrow the poem. I'm sure I've got it somewhere. Huh? Oh, yeah, that was the other part. Uh, so it was an eventful night because uh, there happened to be this major snowstorm that night. And so we, going home, we're going like, you know, 10 miles an hour down 31 to get back home. And uh, so my very first date with Amber I, and I lived in Kokomo, okay, so I had quite a drive to get back home. She lived in Tipton, and uh, so I, I got, we got back to the house, and the roads were so bad that Paul told me, he said, you might as well just, just stay here. So on our very first date, I stayed the night at her house, <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, real, real funny about that. Good time. Yeah, but Paul knew where, what, he actually slept right beside me. No. <laughs> No, no, but they, but they did have a tri-level. Amber, Amber and the other girls were, were in, the, in the top part of the house. Paul and Pam were in the middle part of the house. And I was in the basement. So there was, the, and, the, and the stairway to get upstairs was right by their bedroom. So, so it, was all, it was all good. But like I said, as a good father, he asked what my intentions were with the ring. He wanted to know what was my motive? What was my motivation? And that's what Jesus is asking here with this question. He asks, his, he asks these disciples that are following him. He says, what do you seek? What do you seek? And the pur purpose of the question is to reveal motive, to reveal uh, intention, all right? So it's to reveal motive, to reveal intention. What are your intentions? Why are you following Jesus? And this is the question this is the question we need to be asking ourselves. Why are we following Jesus? What is our motive? What are our intentions? You know, in Hebrews chapter 4, this is a very familiar scripture. Um, a very familiar scripture in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And is the discerner, listen, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. The scripture is often referred to, uh, or and we use this scripture often in reference to the Bible, and we do that rightly. The scripture is, it is talking about the Bible. The Bible is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But there is another called the word in the Bible. John chapter one starts with, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. 
And it says that the word put on flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of the Lord. And, and so there's another called the word. I want to propose to you this, that this verse is not just talking about this word, but it's talking about the word. That he is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I love what theologian uh, Brad Jeersack says. He says this, he says, I believe the word of God is inspired, infallible, and inerrant. And when he was about 18 years old, he grew a beard. That he is the word, the living word, amen? The word of God in Hebrews 4 is not just talking about the Bible, it is. I don't wanna, I don't wanna sell that short. The word is absolutely that. But I believe it's also talking about Jesus, that he is the discerner of the hearts. He is the discerner of the spirits. That's why it says there's no creature hidden from his sight. That everything lays open and bare before him whom we must all give an account. And it is Jesus who is asking this question. What do you seek? What is your motive? What is your intention? This passage is talking if you want to look at the context, he's talking to a couple of disciples. We know for sure one of them was Andrew. I don't think it says who the other one was. But he's talking to these disciples of John who began following him. And in my mind, I, I picture it like this. I, I picture them like peeking around the corner and like, like trying to be sneaky following Jesus, right? And he stops them and he says, what do you seek? What do you seek? He's asking them why, you, why he's following them. And, but I think for us, we can take this question and apply it within ourselves. What do you seek? Why are you following Jesus? Why do you call yourself a Christian? What are you hoping to gain from walking and following Jesus? Walking with and following Jesus. What are, you, what are your intentions? And listen, he's asking this not because he doesn't already know the answer, right? It says there that everything lays open and bare before him. He, it's not that he's asking to re, for you to reveal the answer to him. He's asking the question so you can reveal it to yourself. So you can begin searching within yourself the motive and then the intentions of your heart. Why are you a Christian? Why are you following Jesus? What is your motive? Is it because... Maybe you don't want to go to hell. That's a good motive, right? Is it, is, it, is it strictly because you know and you believe that at the last day there's going to be a judgment and that unless you accept Jesus as your Lord, then there's, there's this, this place called hell that the Bible talks about. Is that your motivation that you don't want to go there? Is your motivation maybe that, that you just grew up in this faith? And your mom and dad and your grandpa and grandma were Christians and I'm just following the traditions of my family. Is that maybe your motive? What, what's your motivation for following Jesus? Why do you choose to follow him? Why do you call yourself a Christian? We can apply this question just as easily to worship. Why do we come on a Sunday morning? Why do we what, what, do we, what is our motivation when the music starts playing? Why do we worship? What is, is causing us? What's the effect that's causing us to do this? Why do we come on a Sunday morning? Is it because you have nothing better to do? So you just come to church? Is it, 
maybe because you just have to hear what, I, what, what the pastor is saying because he's just that intriguing. You know, what, what is the reason you're coming to church? That's what the question is that Jesus is asking. What do you seek? What is your motivation? What do you seek in worship? What is your motivation for worship? If your answer to that question, what, what's your motivation for worship? Why do you worship? If your answer to that question has something to do with the physical elements of worship, then I want to tell you this morning that you're going to be disappointed in some way at some point in time. If your motivation for worship is, is somewhere in the physical reason or realm, then at some point in time, you are going to be disappointed with worship. And what, what do I mean by that? If your motivation to worship is the music that we play, the songs that we sing, the style that we, that we sing or play, if, if your motivation is to enjoy that, then at some point in time, there's, you're going to be disappointed. At some point in time, you're going to be disappointed. If you're looking for a certain song or a certain uh, way that we lead worship, at some point in time, you're going to be disappointed. I, I, I was thinking about this this week. If you only knew how, how many times we've had conversation with people, I know Paul's had conversation, I know Ron and Jackie, we've had conversation of people who say, man, I wish we could do this a little bit more, or I wish worship looked a little bit more like this. And then you have another conversation with somebody else who says, man, I wish worship could look like this. And it's exactly the opposite of what the other people say they wish worship could look like, right? So at some point in time, you're going to be disappointed if that's your motivation for worship. And, and I, I was thinking about this too. We have such a diversity in this room of backgrounds, we have such a diversity in this room of people who have experienced more traditional worship and they love the old hymns and they love the old style of singing. We have other people in this room that have experienced the, the more contemporary version of worship where there's, a, there's just the chorus and there's, there's this deep passion and, and, and there's a lot of physical expression. And we have a lot, we have just everywhere in between when it comes to that. And we could look at that as a problem but the Lord has begun changing my heart as seeing that as something absolutely beautiful. Because what that does is, is it forces us to not make worship about something physical. It makes us not to make worship about something, uh, a, a particular style or preference. But it forces us to make worship about what it was about all along, which is Jesus. Which is Jesus. We could play the game of trying to please everybody, but it's not going to happen. But when worship becomes about him, all of that stuff gets put on the back burner. And worship becomes this beautiful expression that no matter what style, no matter what preference we have, when we choose to enter in, not because of the style or the song or whatever, but we choose to enter in because he is simply worthy and he is good then worship becomes real, authentic, and beautiful. So again, at some point in time, if, if your preference, if your motive for worship has something to do with the physical realm, you're gonna be disappointed. But if your 
your motive for worship is to seek his face, you will not be disappointed. If your motivation for worship is to honor him and to lift him up, you will not be disappointed. If your motivation for worship is to seek his presence, he will never disappoint you. Your encounter with God in worship is not, listen, this is an important statement. Your encounter with God is not dependent on what is happening on this stage. Your encounter with God is not dependent on what is happening on this platform. It's not dependent on what's happening with those around you. Your encounter with God is solely dependent on your hunger to seek his face. And if your response to the question, what do you seek, is him, then your only limitation to having an encounter with him is how you respond to his invitation, come and see. That if your motivation, your answer to his question, what do you seek, is him, I am seeking his face then your only limitation in worship is not what's happening on this platform and it is not the hunger of those around you. Your only limitation is his invitation to, his invitation, come and see. Because if he asks the question, what is your motivation? What do you seek? Then his, his invitation is always gonna be come and see. His, his invitation will always be to come and see. There's nothing no circumstance, style, or person that can stop you from encountering God when your heart and actions are to seek him. There is nothing that will stop him from encountering you when you are hungry to seek his face. There's nothing that could stop him. <laughs> I put this in here just because it's funny and I'm going to say it. We could be playing the Macarena up here and you can still encounter God if your heart is to seek him. Carly could be, could be dabbing up here. <laughs> and if your heart is to seek him, you're going to encounter his presence. And listen, I don't want to belittle, I don't want to belittle the responsibility of the worship team because the worship team is Judah. Pa or Paul had mentioned this during his message. Worship team is Judah. They are the ones who pave the way for those to encounter. So I don't want to belittle what happens on the stage. I don't want to belittle the worship team, but I want to tell you no matter what is happening up here, that your encounter with him is dependent on one thing, and that is your heart and your motivation to seek him. I've told this story before, um, so you, some of you may remember it, but I remember uh, Sean Bowles, who is a, a, an international minister, an international preacher. He's uh, a prophet. Um, he was talking one Sunday or one on one of the podcasts I was listening to. He's telling the story of this conference he was speaking at and uh, a lady named Heidi Baker, who is also uh, a minister. She's, she's a minister in, uh, is it Zimbabwe? No, Zimbabwe. Mozambique. That's it. She lives in Mozambique with her husband. They have a ministry there, but she travels and preaches a lot. And so they were in this conference together. And uh, Sean says, that the worship was taking place, the conference had just kicked off, the worship was kick taking place, and he said it was the worst worship set he had ever heard in his life. He said the musicians were horrible, the singers could barely sing, he said it was just ugly. And he looks over, and he sees Heidi Baker on her knees, just worshiping and giving her all, 
in worship. And he kind of goes over to her and he, you know, Sean is kind of a, a kidder. He's got a, light, a really good sense of humor and he goes over to her. He's kind of laughing. He kind of, he kind of elbows her and he says, Heidi, how are you worshiping in this atmosphere? How are you, how are you worshiping with this worship band? This guy can't even sing. Like, how are you enter in, entering in? And Heidi looks at him and points at me and he says, I'm worshiping because they don't lead me in worship. I lead me in worship. They don't lead me in worship. I lead me in worship. That if your posture, if your heart, if your motive is to seek his face, then I don't care what atmosphere you're in. I don't care what place you're in. You can and will encounter his presence if your heart is to seek him. How do I know that? Let me prove it to you in the Bible. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How much more will the Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Excuse me. My point is this, that nothing is going to stop him from encountering you when your heart is to seek him. That he will encounter you every time. Amen? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. It's a promise from scripture. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it'll be opened. So the first question is, what is your motive? Search your own heart. What are your intentions? But then we have another responsibility. And that is to come and to see. Amen? Let's look real quick at verse 43 in John says, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida. Uh, now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Come and see that invitation is given twice in this chapter. First by Jesus to Andrew and the other, other uh, disciple. And then from, and, or from Philip here to Nathaniel. Nathaniel asks, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Andrew, or Philip says, come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. Here's what I want you to see from this. Jesus is meant to be experienced. He's not just meant to be preached about. He's not just meant to be studied in the Bible. He's not just meant to even be sung about in worship. That Jesus is meant to be experienced. Psalms, I think it's 38. Psalms 38. No, Psalms 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, there are people 
There are people all over the world who study scripture their entire life. There are people who come to church every Sunday and sing about Jesus and do all that they can to learn about Jesus, but have never, they have, they have answered the question, what do you seek? But they have never answered the invitation to come and see. That it's not just that we find out that we ask the question, what do you seek? It's also that we step in to come and see that we actually taste his goodness and we experience Jesus. Amen. He was never meant to just be studied. He was never meant to just be talked about. But Jesus was always meant to be experienced. And when I ask you, I want to ask you this question this morning, these two questions. Paul, would you come on up? I want to ask you these two questions this morning. I want to ask you, number one, what do you seek? And we're going to take just a moment and ponder that question. I want you to take just a moment and ponder that question within yourself. What is your motivation for following Jesus? What is your motivation when you come in here on a Sunday morning in worship? I want to ask you, what are you seeking? What are your intentions? Maybe your intention, what are you seeking? Maybe you're seeking for peace. Maybe you're, you're seeking for, for just some calm and some peace to come. Maybe what you're seeking is joy. Maybe you've, you've been struggling uh, with, with just finding joy in life and, and just the craziness of life. What are you seeking? What is the purpose for you if you're following your pursuit of Jesus? Maybe what you're seeking is to find that childlike wonder of the king again. Ask yourself now, what is your motivation for following Jesus? What is it that you need from him? Maybe it's even healing in your body. What is it that you need from Jesus?
during communion, I, I mentioned that there might be some in the room. I don't, I don't know. There may be some in the room who have never met Jesus before. You find yourself here on a Sunday morning in service. And maybe you're seeking to know who he is. Maybe you're seeking an authentic encounter with Jesus. I want to tell you that Jesus is meant to be experienced. And that his invitation to you this morning is to come and to see and to taste of his goodness. There may be some in here as well who have encountered Jesus, but, but just like where it talks about in the parable where the seed was cast on the hard ground and it had some roots and it started growing, but the cares of life just wiped it out. Maybe your faith has been weak and maybe your desire to seek has been weak. And maybe your answer to that question, what do you seek today is, is that you want to encounter him in a fresh way again. I wanna tell you today the invitation that Jesus gives is to come and to see that you are not too far gone for his goodness. You are not too far gone for his mercy, but that his arms are wide open and his invitation is still to come and to see, to come and experience him. Thank you, Jesus. I wanna give a call this morning and an invitation. I want to, I'm going to do it like this. If, if you, you've asked yourself that question, what do you seek? And maybe you've answered that with you're seeking peace. Maybe you're seeking joy. Maybe you're seeking some answers. Uh, maybe you're just seeking, uh, you know, whatever it is. Or maybe you're, you're one of the ones that I just said, and you're, you're seeking to know Jesus. Or maybe you've known Jesus and you're seeking to come back to him. The invitation I want to give right now is in this moment, or the, the Lord is giving, is to come and to see. And so Paul is going to sing again. And I want you to, however you want to respond, if you want to come to the front and be prayed for, we'd be happy to pray with you this morning. If you want to just sit in your seat and have a personal encounter with the Lord there and, and answer that invitation to come and see, then I welcome you to do so. But in this moment, let's answer that invitation Jesus gives us to come and to see to come and to taste of his goodness. Go ahead and go to stand with me if you will.
want to end by bringing it back to being about worship and applying this to worship. I believe that we can have some monumental encounters with Jesus in this room in worship on Sunday mornings. And you know what? I plan on doing that every Sunday morning. But to experience those monumental encounters with Jesus, I want to each week be able to come in and ask that question, what is our motivation? What are we seeking? And then I want to answer that invitation every time to come and see. And I believe if we come with that heart, that our motivation is to find him, and then our response is to pursue him, then I believe every Sunday morning we can have some monumental encounters and moments with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in this room. Amen. Can I share something? Yes, please. So Josh has no idea what this was all about. But, you know, I shared with you all about then when I spoke a couple weeks ago about the mic hanging from the ceiling about what God is wanting to hear. It's that encounter one-on-one. Um, that pursuit, what God put in me in my journey, as far as me becoming a worship leader, that was the passion that I had as a worship leader to create an atmosphere for that type of thing. What Josh doesn't realize is the song that I just played was the very first song I ever wrote. Because as a young 20-something worship leader, what was in my heart with what I experienced, that I wanted people to be able to experience and to help use the God-given musical gift that he put in me to create an atmosphere, that was what God was stirring in me. And I haven't played that song for decades, but that was the very first worship song that the Lord ever gave me behind the wheel of a truck 30-something years ago. He's telling us something, church. He's giving us this invitation to come and see, to go on this journey with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'm going. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Uh, we're going to go ahead and close the service, but I did want to just give this uh, invitation as well. If you need prayer for anything, whether it's uh, maybe you want, you, you want to experience Jesus and you want to pray uh, for salvation, I would love to meet with you after this service and pray with you. Um, if there's anything else, it could be anything. It could be healing in your body. It could be praying for a prodigal. It could be maybe just some, whatever it is. Uh, I want to just be available for you after this service just to pray with you and to minister to you. And uh, we'll just encounter the Lord together uh, after the service. So I'll be up here uh, if, you, if you want that prayer. Uh, I'm available for that. Uh, if not, thank you all for being here this morning. We love you all and uh, are just honored that you chose to worship with us this morning next week. We'll see you then.